he's gay. I mean, he's gay, excuse me, he's blind. If you're at lunch, or if you have no appetite, now is a good time to switch off the radio. It will not be pleasant listening. Welcome to the Lawrence Ross Show. You sound a little taller on radio. A two-hour weekly exploration into the mind of a man who calls it like he sees it, but he can't see his audience. So what if I'm blind? At least I don't have to look at your ugly face. Want to interact with this fool? You need a Call or text the comment line. 813-602-2715. Hope you enjoy the program because no refunds will be issued. And we'll do it live. I took a course in Hallelujah. I went to night school forty The Lawrence Ross Show. How's it going, everybody? Thank you for tuning in tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Always great to have you here. I know you all are out there. Shout out to my mom's friend, Terry in Tampa. Hello, Terry. Must be celebrating because the Buccaneers victory. Stand by. Do it, boys. I wonder if, you know, I wonder if that was ever, I wonder if Steven Tyler, I wonder if that was ever inspired by anybody because I've never been able to find anything other than just that it appeared on the Greatest Hits album. The Greatest greatest Hits album called Big Ones. That's where you can find it. It's uh, cut number nine, by the way. And uh, yeah, just uh, something to consider. Just a curious little thing. All right. Uh, well, if you'd like to get a hold of me tonight, you can text or call 813-602-2715. Would love to hear from you out there. And just, uh, you know, just see how you're doing. See what's up with you. All that fun stuff. And uh, if you're going into the, uh, and well, let's just jump right into the program right now, ladies and gentlemen, to give you the uh, personal recap. So Friday night, uh, right after the show, did some uh, spring cleaning. When I say spring cleaning, I was just going around, just cleaning the apartment up. Had to pick it up, you know. Because because uh, uh, I have kind of slacked off a little bit, I had to really pick up the pace, and eventually, you know, it was it was you know it was it was uh, you know still needs you know still you know there's 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 still you know, there's still some stuff that I got to do in regards to uh, you know just like make, making making sure that I have all the areas you know fully clean because like some some stuff does tend to slip through the cracks sometimes, but I'm trying to uh, you know, I'm I'm tr- tr- trying to better it, I guess you could say, but you know. <clears throat> And, uh, so yeah, Friday night did that Saturday, Saturday, not all that much, but just, uh, watched a lot of TV and, uh, just, uh, uh you know, tried to, uh, uh, try to enjoy the day and, uh, I think I was able to do that. Then Sunday came and went, did my laundry and, uh, checked out the Super Bowl and I'll be getting to the Super Bowl a little bit later on. And of which our sports contributor, Jim Rome, uh, he's not going to be here this week. He's, uh, he's, he's, he's still in Tampa, actually. He's, he's in Tampa. And I think he's I think he's hanging out at uh, the Marriott. I think so. I don't know. We 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 may I don't know, we, we may get a surprise appearance from him or uh, might not. But yeah, but uh, so I'll be talking to Super Bowl and all that stuff. And uh, there's uh, some other sports related stuff that I want to get into. 
uh, in regards to uh, uh, just uh, some other stuff that's happened. Uh, but uh, so work has been work. There really hasn't been all that much to say other than the only thing to really report on is that like this time of year, because I've been here for three years. I've, I've been here since October 2017. When I got here, like the, the very, very first day I got here was it was like it was it was it was pretty mild i guess you could say it wasn't that bad it was it was about i'd probably say i don't know i'd probably say 50 degrees maybe 55 not too bad then the next morning i get up with my dad cuz my dad was with me and it was like 40 something degrees and it's pretty doggone cold now it gets to the point where and and I think it's just like this particular time of year, like February, like the middle of February around this part of Kansas, for some reason, that is when all the snow chooses to pile up and you basically have to use like a for, you know, like a, an ice scraper or some sort of instrument to scrape your car off so you're able to go from point A to point B. Because consistently, this has happened around this time of year february of 2018 i'll never forget my parents visited me for a week and my dad went to drive me to work one day and he goes to get in the car i'm in the car with him he goes to start her up starts the thing up and next thing you know the the well well he he, he goes to turn on the windshield wipers they're not going the reason why is because well but long story short there was there was like snow and frost all over the windshield, like the the outside, so you couldn't see anything. So, so we think, okay, should we turn on the heater? No, that's probably not. You know that that'll probably take too long. Uh, did they provide an ice scraper at the rental car place? No, they didn't. <laughs> so you would figure, you know, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you figure that maybe like Hertz or Budget or Avis Rent-A-Car, if you get a car from the Midwest, don't you think that maybe they'd want to supply you with an ice scraper? I mean, it would seem pretty logical. I mean, if, if you want if you want to fit in, you know, they, they should probably do that. I mean, here's an idea. How about for Flor- for people renting, in car, renting a car in Florida, how about if they give every customer a free orange or a carrot peeler or something or a tropical, I don't know, or, or a little decal of a tropical fruit? I don't know, but either way, so instead of, so, so we didn't have an ice scraper, but now my dad has one, so in, ca- in case he ever needs it, but <laughs> the makeshift ice scraper we used was a drip tray from the George Foreman grill. <laughs> I mean, hey, I mean, hey, we're, 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 we're very, we're very, we're very, we're very simple folks, so we like to, uh, you know, we, we, we like to simplify certain things around here. So then, so then that happened. And then the next year, we had like an hour or so delay going into work because of excessive snow. And then last year, but it was a little bit earlier in the year, but still. And then this year was no different. Day after the Super Bowl, we couldn't go in until about 10 a.m. So, which which was kind of cool because I'm pretty, which 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 was pretty cool. But, but at the same time, it kind of stunk that. I'm at home for a little bit longer having to deal with uh, what happened, but I'll, I'll get into that in a little bit. Uh, but uh, I want to get into this right now real quick. I don't want to make too much of a big deal. Well, actually, actually well, hang on. I, I just, I, I just, I just want to talk about this real quick. To give you an idea as to how cold it is here in Leavenworth, I got up today and 
the temperature was one degree. One. It's fucking cold! By the way, that's the voice of a gentleman named uh, Justin Carmichael, a.k.a. Juario. And Juario holds a very special place in this show's history. And I've told this story before, but for any of the new people who may be listening, back in the day, before this was the Lawrence Ross Show, this was a collaborative effort between me, uh, <clears throat> between me and a gentleman named Thomas, who took the moniker Waterhead. That was his idea, ladies and gentlemen. Let me clarify that right now. That was his idea. I had nothing to do with him calling himself that. We just decided, all right, let's call it the Lawrence Ross Waterhead Show because I figure it's as much as his show as it is mine. So I, I wanted to make sure that we had like a 50-50 kind of thing going on. But over the course of us doing the show, uh, back in 2010 when we were periodically doing it and we didn't have the weekly schedule that we uh, uh, that it eventually turned into, but in... 2010, October, me, Thomas, and this guy, Matt, who used to be on the show, we're all, we're all hanging out because it was my birthday weekend, and uh, we had dinner, I think it was like Beef O'Brady's or Chili's or one of those establishments, and and when we got home, we ended up talking with Justin. Justin, we, we booked an interview with Justin. He was a video game reviewer, and he did a series called You Can Play This. And it was really good. He was a really funny guy, really nice guy. And Justin is no longer with us. Uh, he committed suicide in 2014. And ladies and gentlemen, if you or anybody you know has suicidal thoughts, please call the National Suicide Prevention Hotline at 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-8255. Now, let me just clarify that I'm not being paid to say that. I am not getting a kickback. I am merely just putting that in there as a disclaimer, and I think it's important that it is said because it seems as if with today, we have people who are just losing their minds over this pandemic. Believe me, I am not alone. I actually just started therapy the other day. I'm not going to get into too much detail, but I will say that if you listen to the course of the show, you are going to hear a lot of moments of me just going, you know, just, 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 just going nuts because there are just certain things that I just, I, 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 I do not enjoy. And uh, just to let anybody know who may be new, just know that sometimes on this program, I do speak very passionately. Don't confuse that with anger. It may sound, it may sound like I'm mad, which sometimes I am, but just know that I speak with passion when I talk behind this microphone. And I just thought I would let you all know about that. So that, so yeah, so, so, <clears throat> but yeah, but Justin, reason why we have, reason why this whole, this program, <clears throat> the reason why I have such a high regard for Justin is because he was the very first person who we reached out to for an interview. And he said, hey, look, it doesn't matter to me what your platform is. It doesn't matter to me if you have 600 people checking out or if you just got six. I'm just happy that you enjoy what it is that I do. I'd love to chat with you. And everything uh, is good on that front. And, and we actually had just done twice. Uh, and, uh, 
and we we just uh, um, uh, we miss him. But anyway, getting back to Leavenworth weather real quick. So one degree, and when and the wind chill factor is like minus seventeen. So it's fucking cold. And that clip, by the way, is from he he went to this convention, and he did this recap, and that was his whole recap. Because it must have been, I think, what, like nine degrees, I think, like minus nine degrees or whatever it was. But either way, that that was the recap, and 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 we we just have, um, uh, we 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 got a kick out of it, and so we we like using that whenever it's uh, fitting. Uh, but yeah, and uh, well, the other thing is that uh, well, uh, I shaved over the week. Uh, I shaved over the week, so that's uh, you know that's. Uh, I mean, I mean, I, I can I can put up a before and after picture on the show's page. So you can really uh, get the feel of it because my goatee, folks, was out of control. It was just crazy. Oh wait, hang on. I'm I'm, I'm sorry. Hold on a second. I'm, I'm sorry. I was off mic for a second. Hold on. Yeah. What do you want, dude? He nice mustache, man. Grab a glass of milk. You would really fill it up. Hey, look, uh, Stewie. Not for nothing. Have you been pawing through my Jackie Martling album collection? Well, yes, I have. I mean, not that I mind, man, but that's where you got it from, huh? Yeah, because it's, uh, it's, uh, funny. Yeah, it's funny, man, but, uh, I mean, I, 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 n- I never really had, uh, milk. Yeah, that's the thing, man. I went to your refrigerator. Uh-huh. And, uh, you got soda. Uh-huh. You got, uh, hamburgers, hamburger buns, and you got hot sauce, and you got that cheese that you like. Uh-huh. And uh, you also got uh, a lot of jalapenos and stuff. I know, man, because uh, I like it. Well, guess what? I don't. All right? It burns inside my mouth, man. It hurts. It hurts. Squeezing it off my diaper, man. Now, all right, look, dude, just get out of here with your diaper stuff and just... Look, man, look, dude, can you give me a snack uh, during the uh, the break? Screw you. Get it yourself. All right. Yeah, you too. All right. Yeah. Okay. Hey, hey, Stewie. Here's an idea. Just, 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 just go on the couch over there. Just take your iPad and just watch. What? Uh. What? What are you watching? Mike Tyson mysteries. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. On my. Yeah. On my Hulu account. Which, by the way, man, I really love it when you pause. <coughs> oh. Oh gosh. What? What happened? Ha! <coughs> Oh, sorry about that, folks. A little cough going on. Oh, gosh. What? You got a cough going on. So? So I had a little bit of cough going on, man. Jeez. What, what's the big deal? Hey, look, man. I, I, I'm just saying, man. You know, you should count your lucky stars that... Uh, well, look, dude. I think I know where you're going with this, and I, I, I don't want you to say it. All right, man? Look, man. Look, look. Seriously, look, here, take this. What? What? What is it? Is this sort of a medicine cabinet? Thank you. Which probably means I'm going to have to, which probably means since since I played that, I'm probably going to pay, I don't know how much for uh, licensing. It's a drop, man. Oh, and by the way, oh, and by the way, I'm going to replay it because you didn't have the thing turned all the way up. All right. There you go. Remember that guy on the mountaintop? Yeah, but yeah, wait, 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 whoa, 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 wait a second, man. Don't you blind? How the hell you know he's on a mountaintop? Because the commercial's been described to me. Okay, look, dude, seriously. Get, look, dude, seriously. 
go on the couch, go watch your Mike Tyson mysteries thing, and dude, I know that you enjoy the pigeon character, I enjoy the pigeon character too, but seriously, if you're going to watch an episode, can you have the courtesy to watch the whole thing and not pause it in the middle? Ooh, all right. Yeah, okay. Yeah, all right. Get him out of here. Jeez. Ugh. You know, this this guy, he's, he's been hanging out with me for a while. He's, he's been keeping me, keeping me company during this pandemic. But sometimes, I mean, it's like, you know, like some days I come home and he's, and he's watching like Family Guy and he's watching, uh, I don't know what the heck he does some days, you know, I, I don't know, is he, uh, I don't know, is he building a fortress under my bed and he's not telling me? <laughs> All right. Now, I would like to uh, talk a little personally about something. Uh, Sunday, as we all know, is Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day's coming. Oh, crap. I forgot to get a girlfriend again. <laughs> uh, I only laugh because it hurts because it's true. And especially with this pandemic, man, I was I was unable to snag one. Like, not not even close, man. Like, nothing. Nobody home on that front. But uh, I mean, I'm 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 really hoping that uh, this thing clears up, and hopefully, and hopefully next year, I don't have to play this. Valentine's Day's coming. Oh crap! I forgot to get a girlfriend again. Hopefully next year things will be uh, different. Oh what now? What now, man? It's not what you said on your social media. What what are you talking about? It's not what you said on Facebook the other day. What did I say on Facebook? There? Oh, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. For anybody who may have missed it, I said on Facebook that there's this commercial for Genesis Health Club where the announcer comes on and he says, millions have been vaccinated. Eh, okay, I wouldn't say millions. I'd probably say maybe 400,000. I don't know the uh, statistics. Then he says that infection rates are going down. Uh, really, in which area? Are you talking about in... Kansas? Are you talking about across the world? And then he says that soon we'll be able to turn to a somewhat normal life. I don't want a somewhat normal life to be returned to. I would like a regular life back, please. I would like to be able to go through a drive through of a restaurant and not have a face mask on because it looks like I might be casing the joint, you know? And and those masks, it, it, it seems if you really got to speak up when you when you're wearing them. It's like it's it seems seems like seems like you know it's like it's like I, I don't, it's just like it's 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 wild but yeah but uh, and I've 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 talked about this before and you know I have a couple sentiments in regards to uh, Valentine's Day I mean look I mean I would love to celebrate the holiday with somebody but unfortunately I just I've never been afforded the opportunity I remember in grade school. Uh, I never did get any, you know, now that I think about it, I don't believe I ever got a Valentine's Day card from anybody, anyone in my class. I, 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 I don't believe it ever happened. I mean, I mean, if, if, if it happened, if it happened, I probably would have been skipping down the hallway, clutching the card. And then, and then, and then when I, and then when I got home that day, I'd be like, Hey, look at this, look at this, look at this. It's like, Oh, that's so cute. That's so cute. <sighs> well, it never happened. Unfortunately, <laughs> Well, that really sucks. But what do you mean? But wait a second, man. I weren't you on the couch, or you got a remote microphone that I didn't know about? I got a remote microphone. Oh, great! So now you can dump on me while you're trying to watch the TV show. Yeah. 
uh, going with your lovely comment there, Stevie. Go ahead. What, what, what do you got for me, man? What I got is, so you've been in the friend zone even when you were in grade school. Yeah, so, well, well, jeez, man, you got to be that harsh about it? Well, yeah, I'm just, I'll tell you how it is, man. No, dude, you're not really telling me how it is. You're just, uh, look, dude, just go lay down. All right, go lay down and just either enjoy the rest of the program or just go watch your Mike Tyson Mysteries stuff, all right? All right, ooh, and, uh, ooh, and by the way, uh, just that, uh, Cayuno, uh-huh, that, uh, I'm going to beat him up on the playground. Yeah, good for you, man. You're going to beat up Caillou. You know his show just got canceled, by the way. Yeah, I do, man, because I made that happen. Oh, you did, huh? Yeah. He was a bastard. All right. Good for you, man. Congratulations. Woohoo! All right. Uh, but, yeah. Now, I would like to comment on... Uh, uh, well, it's, it's just... You know... I, you know I would like to comment real quick in regards to uh, a certain section of men who do this, and I'm going to be taking men to task a little bit later on in regards to another idiosyncrasy that's that men do. But, uh, he, spoiler alert, it's actually from the archives. Dude, I was just going to say that. Jake, get out of here. Get the hell out of here. All right. Uh, so, an idiosyncrasy that certain men do which I have no sympathy for, I got a big problem with it, too. Guys who forget Valentine's Day and then they wonder why their their significant other is mad at them. Well, you know, I have never been in a relationship at all. But the one thing that I have learned over the years from observing my parents, who, by the way, proposed to each other on Valentine's Day, well, actually... Yeah, they approached to each other. My dad made the first move, basically. And it wasn't the standard, will you marry me? It was, it was, will you have my children? And then it snowballed from there, which, hey, that's really damn inventive. I'll, <laughs> that, that, that's really damn good. Uh, but at any rate, uh, but anyway, uh, yeah. So if there's one thing I've learned, if I could take away one thing, it's that, Women place a lot, you know, place a lot of stock on men remembering certain details of their life. And I think that if a man doesn't, you know, if if a man neglects participation in Valentine's Day, then what does that show his commitment to her in the relationship? I would like to hear from you on this topic. 813-602-2715. Call or text. I would love to hear from you on this. Because I'm kind of curious as to where people stand on this. Uh, but I do have a couple of uh, love, love-themed comedy elements real quick that I would like to play and then on to uh, sports. Now, this was a bit that was suggested to me back in June of 2013. And I'll never forget it because it was around the time when our air conditioner had crapped the bed, and so we were in the middle of... It was it was springtime in Florida, but you wouldn't really know it was spring because 11 months out of the year in Florida, it's a heat wave. And so it was June 8th. I was on a show, just, just chatting with a couple of people, and this dude, Scott, was on the show. He was hosting it. 
and he heard my Jaws program in the background, which is what you hear at the top of the show. It's the robotic voice that talks to you, that that reads all the stuff, which I want to update that. I want to get some imaging uh, taken care of, which I probably should email the people who have said they're interested in imaging. I, sh- I should definitely message them back and... Uh, well, because well, cause time has gotten in the way, so I, 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 I want to make sure that uh, we're able to uh, get this done. But nevertheless, Scott heard that, and he asked me, hey, man, can you, can you use the software to do like a lovemaking scene? I'm like, yeah, sure, I'd, I'd love to do it. So, so a couple days later, I uh, pieced it all together. And this is called Jaws Does Porn. Now, I would like to let everybody know that this does contain some very strong, very graphic language. Some very graphic stuff is found within. This is not me projecting any fantasies that I have. This is not me uh, writing it. In, uh, this this was not made to degrade uh, either gender. I'm just... It was just something that was uh, given to me, and I decided to uh, make this. So here you go. It's called Jaws Does Porn (laughs) on the Lawrence Ross Show. Back after this. And now, ladies and gentlemen, we present to you two versions of the Jaws for Windows software engaging in sexual activity. The male is dominant, while the female is submissive. Hey, baby, want to fuck? Sure. I've given myself a Viagra enema. What is that? I crushed up some Viagra and inserted the powder in my rectum. Don't you know of all the health problems that could present to you? Aren't you afraid of having an erection for more than four hours? Blah, 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 enough of your yapping. Either taste my sausage or take your ass home. I don't partake in that. I am on a strict vegetarian diet. Sure you're a vegetarian, but I've seen you on 34th Street sucking knob like it's going out of style. Maybe you have me mixed up with somebody else. I have a full-time job, as well as raise three kids. Just suck it, woman. Just suck it. Fine. A little more spit, please. Here you go. That's too much, you stupid scan. You're just like my last boyfriend. It was never good enough for him. Fuck this. We're going right to the rape fantasy. Rape fantasy. Just lie back and enjoy it. Take this dick. Take it, you whore. Just take it. Oh, yeah. Do it harder, harder and faster. This is fantastic. Give me more of it. Do you want me to pull out and blast in your mouth? I don't want to do that. Oh, what's the big deal? It's just like swallowing whipped cream. Yuck. It tastes horrible. Drink it or I'll punch you in the throat. What the? Oh, fuck. Did I just kill her? If the cops can't see me do it, it's not illegal. I'm out of here. Oh, fuck. I got it caught in the zipper. Fuck, this hurts. Cut and print. The Lawrence Ross Show. Wow, that was, whoo, man, I forgot how brutal that one was. Oh, man, goodness gracious. Now, I do got another one here, and this one, I think, I, I'm honestly kind of torn about this one, because one part of me, I don't know, one part of me, I like that I was able to, uh, make poetry out of it but i don't know the the other the other part of me i don't know i don't know i'm 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 don't know i'm actually i don't know you know i'm actually a little reticent to play this one but it is it is kind of love themed 
Well, well, what am I talking about? It, 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 it is love theme. I mean, hell, I mean, it, it's, 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 it's a Valentine's Day bit. But, uh, eh, you know what? I'll go ahead and play it. What the hell? And name of this is called Mel Gibson Greeting Cards. And I kind of feel as if I kind of missed the boat on this one. Because I recorded it in 2014 because, uh, because I, I didn't have the technology back then to make it sound, like, decent. Because back when I first started doing this show, I was talking on a microphone that sounded like it was a bullhorn, sort of. Uh, but at any rate, the infamous Mel Gibson tapes where he was yelling at his uh, Russian girlfriend, who we really don't know all that much about anymore, but still, Mel Gibson, everybody knows that, but knows him. But I had an idea. The Hallmark greeting cards, that when you open them up, they play a little tune, and there's a little message written on them, and then and then when you get done reading the message, you open the card, and it plays the tune. Well, my idea was to have very tender, very sweet-sounding uh, poetry at the beginning, but then... You open the card up and it's a clip from one of the tapes where he's yelling at his girlfriend. But there's that, but there's also another thing that's in there, which isn't from the tapes. It's from the movie Ransom. It's the part where he goes, give me back my son. And uh, so that is in there too. And I would like to say that there is an instance of a word that you know what actually you know what creator's decision i'm going to dump that word out when it comes up all right so here we go this is mel gibson greeting cards i would like to again put in this disclaimer because i kind of feel as if i have to these days because the way things are these days i i i know you don't have to explain comedy but i kind of think i have to because what I think is this. Uh, well, let me just preface this one more time by saying I have no issue with women. This is not me, right? This is nothing I wrote out of spite towards anyone in uh, anyone specifically. This was just something that I wrote merely for creative purposes. All right. Thank you. And now, for your listening enjoyment, Mel Gibson greeting cards. And thank you to Katie McKinley for her contribution for this offering. Here we go. Oh, and also, strong language to come, listener discretion advised. Fellas, have you given your woman a Valentine's Day greeting card only to get a reaction like this? <sighs> Roses are red, violets are blue. Every time I close my eyes, I think of you. <laughs> Lame. Well, now there's hope. No longer will you have to pick up greeting cards that have sappy, sentimental poetry that goes absolutely nowhere. Check out Hallmark's brand new line of greeting cards written by Mel Gibson. You're my one and only. It's for you I have great lust. I give my life to you forever and ever, as you're the only one that I trust. But you must know that lust is just an anagram for slut. Which is just what you are. So I look at you and I say... <coughs> Your woman will fall head over heels for Mel Gibson greeting cards. I love everything about you. No one can take your place. You have a sparkling personality and a very lovely face. Yes, I smell of liquor. And yes, I'm looking at your knockers. That's right, you fucking crazy 
bitch. You need a fucking doctor. Mel Gibson greeting cards are the perfect way to deliver any message. I'm sorry we got divorced. It's not you, it's me. I have a lot of imperfections as you can plainly see. I don't mean to hurt you when I'm drunk and I pull out my gun. God damn it, woman! I'm telling you right now! Give me back my son! What better way to show your woman that you love and care for her with Mel Gibson greeting cards? You're my world. To me, you mean everything. It started out so innocently. Me stuffing dollars in your G-string. I didn't know what true love was. Then I opened up the door. Now I see you for what you are. A fucking heartless. When flowers and chocolates just don't do the job, set the mood right with any one of these lovely messages. I knew from the moment I met you, you were the absolute best. I think about you every day, when my heart beats in my chest. I'm being sarcastic, you stupid bitch. You're the absolute worst. And goddammit, remember next time! Words of love and tenderness spoken by one of the sweetest men in all of Hollywood. I'm sorry we had an argument. I don't like it when we fight. I was drunk and disorderly. My actions were not out of spite. I didn't mean to flip my lid when you asked me for the salt. You goddamn cunt. If you get raped by a pack and ball. Mel Gibson greeting cards are the perfect gift. And if you act right now, we'll throw in this bonus Hanukkah set absolutely free. Mel Gibson greeting cards. Get yours today. Mel Gibson greeting cards are illegal in France. Canadian customers will have to pay $5 per card. Lawrence Ross Show. Thank you for tuning in. And uh, that is uh, Mel Gibson greeting cards. And the uncensored version of that one is in the archives, rss.com. Well, actually, uh, yeah, that, that's... Wait a second. Wait, wait a minute. Why am I, wait a minute, why am I plugging the hosting site when I can just tell people that if you want to check out the show, if you want to catch up on old stuff, you can check that one out, or you can check out uh, some of the other uh, bits I've done, and some of the other shows too, uh, iTunes or Spotify, search the Lawrence Ross Show, and uh, boom, it'll be all good. All right, now, on to uh, this, and uh, th this this was a real tough one, folks. Well, Super Bowl... The Super Bowl is over, ladies and gentlemen, and it's, uh, well, game over, and the uh, Tempe Buccaneers are Super Bowl champions, and the Kansas City Chiefs, wow, they, they, they did not play all that, well, actually, you know what, they played pretty horribly, because to give you an idea as to how badly they played. Tampa held them to three field goals, and that is it. Typically, I've noticed that if a team has to do more, you know, well, well, if a team has to resort to field goals, then that pretty much means the game is pretty much over before it really got started. I mean, you can do field goals periodically, but when you start off with a field goal, okay, maybe you got something. If you got to do another one, okay, but... When the other team gets up on you, 21-6 going into the half, and it's, well, it's, well, it it doesn't look so good for you. And, uh, well, yeah. And the, the only real highlight that I have is when Frank Clark sacked Tom Brady. I got that, so here's that. Brady takes the snap. Stand By the way, the call is from uh, 106.5 The Wolf. Kansas City. Kansas City's 
country music station. One of the country music stations. But either way, here it is from 106.5 The Wolf, Mitch Holtis on the call. Brady getting sacked by Frank the Clark Shark. Brady takes the snap, stands in the pocket, he's sacked, and engulfed and swallowed back at the 27-yard line. And pressure came in a hurry. Frank the Shark Clark, as Tom Brady goes swimming in shark-infested waters, Okafor also in there. <laughs> so that was, that was something. And I listen to the game on the radio, folks, because I find Jim Nance to just be boring, just incredibly boring. Boring, especially because this whole hello friends. It's like, dude, just like just announce the damn game. Gosh. Anyway, here is the call from the Kansas City side of things when the Buccaneers won, and you can tell that Mitch just sounds just down in the mouth, like as as if to say, as if to passively aggressively say. I can't believe I just watched. I can't believe I just had to call that game. That was just, that was painful. Here we go. Since 2016, midway through the year in October, the Chiefs got worked by the Pittsburgh Steelers. But since then, the Chiefs haven't been beaten like this. Even the games they've lost have been very close. One possession. But tonight, 31-9, the Buccaneers get the victory in the Super Bowl 55 championship and a Lombardi trophy. Great. Again, just adding to the resume of Tom Brady as we get a chance to watch him on the field interact with Patrick Mahomes. That's his uh, That's his partner. I honestly don't know the guy's name, but either way. Holmes, the handshake and hug right in the middle of the field is just telling about how his greatness and just what he's been able to do in his career. That's the end of the game. Super Bowl 55 goes to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers beating the Kansas City Chiefs 31-9. to You're listening to the Super Bowl on 106.5 The Wolf. So there you go. I mean, hey, congratulations to the Buccaneers. I'm a little bummed out that my team lost, but, you know, hey, good for Tampa Bay because I was there when we won, when they won the Super Bowl back in 2003 it was nuts back then. It was electric back then. It was awesome. And I'm pretty sure it was probably about the same. But uh, nevertheless, now that I got that cleared off my plate, I want to get into this. Uh, well, uh, tying in with uh, tying in with the uh, Kansas City Chiefs, I got I actually I, I unearthed an old bit which kind of ties in uh, with uh, something that happened. So Andy Reid's son was involved in a car accident. He was drunk, by the way. And uh, he, if I remember right, he hit a car and then it bumped into another car. And uh, there's a girl who had life-threatening injuries. I think she's okay now. But either way, this is Andy Reid's son who drove drunk irresponsibly and caused an accident. Not the first time somebody in sports has caused an accident while driving. Definitely will not be the last. And back in 2013, there was a, a basketball player who played for, for why he played for Atlanta. Guy's name is Mookie Blaylock. And honestly, I don't know what happened, Tim, in regards to this. But what I do know is this. He had a very similar thing happen, except somebody died as a result of it. So I did this bit called Mookie Blaylock Driving Instructional DVD. And I haven't heard this one in such a long time. And so honestly... I, I don't know how good it is. I mean, it, 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 could be, it could be pretty good or it could be a pile of crap. Anyway, here we go. Let's check it out. 
Are you having trouble finding a good driving school for your teenager? Do you not trust the local driver's ed teacher at your high school? Well, actually, hang on, hang on, hang on. Let me, uh, hang on. Let me restart because I had the knob turned down. Here we go. Are you having trouble finding a good driving school for your teenager? Do you not trust the local driver's ed teacher at your high school? As they say here, you suck. Well, now there's hope with the brand new Mookie Blaylock Driving Instructional DVD. This instructional DVD will teach you everything you need to know with Mookie Blaylock as your narrator. First, we're going to learn the importance of backing out of the garage. You want to make sure that your homies didn't lay any of their shit out the night before. Damn, man! One of our flat screens is all busted now. Now I got to go back to Sears and return it? I'm not paying for that shit. Because I'm motherfucking Mookie Blaylock, bitch. And as a special court-appointed bonus... Wow, this is... Wow, this is... I don't know what to make. I don't know what to make of it. I mean, this is this is sort of... But, I don't know. You be the judge, folks. By the way, I got a text from my dad who's been listening to the show. He liked the tribute I did to uh, Justin, and he thought the Mel Gibson thing was uh, funny. So, continuing. Mookie has graciously agreed to give you a play-by-play of the night of his infamous car accident. Here's how this play goes down. You see me in the car. You see the dumb bitch ahead of me. She's obviously on a phone. Probably talking to one of his stupid asshole friends or playing that angry bird's crap. And here I come, guns blazing. That bitch is dead. The Mookie Blaylock Driving Instructional DVD. Only in this country do they let blind people drive. <laughs> Get yours today. <laughs> uh, all right. Okay. All right. That wasn't too bad. Uh, <clears throat> now, uh. On to something else, sports-related, and this, you know, I heard about this this morning, and this just really just, just, well, actually, hang on, I want to play this, because it's an update in regards to something, and then it's going to circle back to this particular individual. Kobe Bryant, as we all know, passed away in January of last year in a helicopter crash, and now the NTSB has just invested, has just completed their investigation as to what caused it. The National Transportation Safety Board blamed the helicopter pilot for the crash that killed NBA legend Kobe Bryant just over a year ago. Investigators say the pilot flew into a wall of clouds that left him unable to tell which way was up. Here's CBS's Errol Barnett. Wait a second. So he flew into a wall of clouds. Okay, how how fluffy were these clouds? I mean, like were these clouds like so incredibly thick and fluffy that they were obscuring his vision? Maybe that's the case. I honestly don't know. Tonight, federal investigators say the pilot flying basketball star Kobe Bryant, his 13-year-old daughter Gianna, and six others experienced spatial disorientation when he crashed his helicopter into a California hillside in January of 2020. January 26th, that way, was when that was. It was an issue of judgment and decision-making that led to this. In a new report, the National Transportation Safety Board said it found no evidence the NBA legend pushed his pilot to fly into fog that day. Well... I mean, you know, at least there's that. At least, at least it wasn't a case of vertigo gotta go, which which is basically how some of these plane crashes have happened. Like with Aaliyah, uh, Aaliyah, the recording artist back in 2001, died in a plane crash shortly before September 11th. Uh, strangely enough, and the report came out that I think they had too much weight 
there was too much weight on the plane and the pilot or whoever it was when insisting, no, hey, look, we got to go, man. We we, we, we got to make time, man. And it uh, was costly. Anyway, continuing. Saying that Ara Zabayan likely felt self-induced pressure to please Bryant. Here's a case where a pilot who's well-regarded um, apparently got into a very bad situation. Zabayan's employer, Island Express, is being cited for inadequate review and oversight of safety measures. The company telling CBS News it is not commenting. While this closes the case, it provides little closure for the victim's families and Bryant's fans. Bryant's widow, Vanessa, writing in a social media post in January, it still doesn't seem real. Errol Barnett, CBS News, New York. Oh, man. Now, back in 2003... Back in 2003, Mark Cuban, the owner of the Dallas Mavericks, this guy, he he was quoted in the he he, he gave an interview to the he gave an interview to USA Today. Hang on, let me get, hold on, hold on. Oh shoot, hold on. Okay, there we go. Uh, so back in 2003, Mark Cuban he gave a uh, he, he he gave an interview to a USA Today, and this was right after. The Kobe Bryant rape allegations had started. Well, I'm sorry, just the one allegation, but it was all over the news because it's Kobe, Lakers, all that stuff. Mark Cuban gives a quote to the, uh, Mark Cuban says to USA Today, and I'm paraphrasing, he says that this is good for the NBA, it's reality, people love a train wreck, people are going to watch even more now because of the Lakers. Well, radio personality and friend of the show, Phil Hendry, actually had Mark Cuban on his show August 11th, 2003. And I've heard Phil conduct interviews over the years, and a lot of them are cordial, and when he does characters and stuff, he he sometimes gets heated with the character and stuff, which is just part of the act, but this is the first time I've ever heard Phil conduct an interview where... It's gotten heated, and he's gotten really pissed at the guy. So Phil brings Mark on, and he reads the quote to him, and Mark acts all smug and all all that stuff, and it leads to this exchange. This is this is an excerpt from August eleventh, two thousand three. Here is Phil taking Mark Cuban to task over his quote. Here we go. Why don't you tell me what it was you were talking about? I'd love to hear you get out of this one. What were you talking about? That the fans are stupid or that rape's good for the NBA? Because it's either one or the other. Have you killed a baby? Yes, I have. Okay. I eat them, too. (laughs) There you go. I eat them, too. And ask anybody in America where they think I'm serious. So that's a case of Phil just being sarcastic and Mark Cuban just not getting it at all, man. And we, and actually unearthed a clip from 2014, uh, around yeah, it was from May 2nd. This was when, this was around the time when Donald Sterling, the former Clippers owner, the, the footage had surfaced of him uh, talking smack about African American people, and he would ban them from going to the games and things of that nature. And the NBA, the commissioner Adam Sterling said, "Oh no, no, no." Uh, anyway, uh, Adam Silver, I believe was the guy's name, Adam Silver. He laid down the law. He says, okay, Donald Sterling, you got to give up your courtside seats. You're banned from going to any sort of game ever, you old fart. So so on the show, when when this news happened, we, we were, uh, 
uh, played a clip of a Mark Cuban basically saying, basically saying the people are allowed to be morons, they're allowed to be stupid, they're allowed to think idiotic thoughts. Well, I got something to say about that because I think this is a case that, well, here's an excerpt from, as I say, May 2nd, 2014. Here is my former radio co-host, Waterhead, talking about Mark Cuban and how he doesn't like him. I can't agree with anything that man says because Mark Cuban is, to me, the epitome of rich billionaire asshole. I'll do whatever the fuck I want because I'm Mark Cuban. Absolutely hate him. And it makes total sense now. Makes total sense to have that mindset. The reason why is because for some reason, I heard about this today, and I honestly don't know why he would have this mindset. I honestly don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm very baffled by this, if you ask me. Very, very baffled. And, uh, and uh, here, here's, here's, here's the problem. Here's the problem. Mark Cuban, owner of the Dallas Mavericks, founder of Internet Radio, has opened his mouth and inserted his foot by saying he doesn't want the national anthem to be played at Dallas Mavericks games. What kind of anti-American sentiment is that, Mr. Cuban? It's the national anthem. You can't be just stripping it away because you feel it's going to cause too much controversy. Where were you five years ago when Colin Kaepernick decided to kneel before a game, a preseason game, during the National Anthem. And that's something I like to comment on as well. These athletes who kneel before a game while the Star Spangled Banner is playing, screw all of you trying to make a political statement while you're at work before the game starts. If you want to make your little political statement about how you feel there's a grave injustice going on in our country, that we need more police protection, less police brutality. I get that. I understand. I understand that you're going to have a gripe or so with officers. I get that. But to do it before you play your little game, I I, I really... I I I I I really have to take exception with that because you know I, I mean if I mean if you want to protest, protest all you like, but just do it either like in like after. Here's here's an idea for these athletes. All right, how about this? Instead of kneeling before the national anthem and being disrespectful to those who fought for our country, fought for our freedoms. Instead of disrespecting them by not standing for our flag, I got a great idea. How about this? How about this? How about the next time you want to run your yap about all, all, these, all these injustices, do it after the game in your post-game press conference. Do it there. All right? That's my advice. Try that. If you want to make this big political statement about an injustice that happened in San Jose, California, go ahead. Just do it after the game. Do it after the game 
in your post-game press conference. If you want, you can do it before you comment on the game. You, you comment on the game, or maybe after. You can give an interview with somebody, can, and 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 they and they can ask you. Uh, uh, and they can ask, okay, hey, uh, hey, uh, hey, LeBron, or you know, whoever, or like, uh, hey, uh, uh, all right. Uh, qu- all right, question for number 26. I'm with the Los Angeles Times. Uh, what happened out there when you got intercepted by, uh, you know, what happened uh, What happened when uh, What happened when LeBron James stole your rebound, man? What happened there? Now, if the guy was going to say, well, I really think he was much too fast for me, and by the way, I just want to say that after this, after this season, I'm retiring so that I can focus my endeavors on the Black Lives Matter movement, Hey, more power to you. That'd be great. All right? Do it then, not before, and disrespecting our men and women who have fought for this country. How about that? All right. Now, earlier I did say that I would be taking males to task on something. I do have something in the archives, and it's going to roll right into uh, the interlude. So... This is from November 22nd, 2019. This was a, uh, well, this was about a survey that was conducted. And, well, it's me commenting on something that men do. I'm not sure how many men do it, but I think it's disgusting. And, damn it, I'm as mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. Even though this is old stuff, I still stand by it. Anyway. You guys enjoy that, then the interlude, and then I'll be back on the other side with more. This is the Lawrence Ross Show on RazRadioLive.com and on iTunes and Spotify. Just search the Lawrence Ross Show. Thanks for listening, everybody. And I'll be back in about, I'd say maybe, uh, well, I'll be back after this. Thanks for listening. There was a survey that was conducted of 150,000 couples. One of the questions they asked in this survey was, are you okay with your partner peeing with the door open? And you want to know what's really fucking disgusting? 77% of the people surveyed said yes. Now, seriously, what kind of fucking mentality is that? That is the mindset of a child. That is fucking childish. My stance is this. You go to the bathroom, you close the door every single time. Why is the door open When you need to take a piss. Why? Why? It shouldn't. There is no reason for that ever. 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 I know kids do it because I know sometimes the parent is there supervising to make sure they use the bathroom properly. Well, some of the onus should be on the parent, too. The parent should go in the bathroom with the child and close the door and then show them the proper way to use the bathroom. Not this 
having the door open bullshit because kids are very impressionable. They see that. They see their parents do it, and they think that's okay. That gives them a free pass to do it, so they just continue to do it, and they never break the habit. Well, not me. I have standards. I have sensibility, and I do not do that ever because, as I said, there's no reason to do it, and there should not be a reason to ever do it. And when that carries over into the boy becoming a man and he eventually finding a woman, I think that should be grounds for her to leave him. That is just my take. You want to be in this relationship? You don't pee with the door open like a fucking child. What does that show society as men? As men, it shows that we haven't really evolved and we're still incredibly sloppy. We, as men, need to do better in society when it comes to the way that we treat our fellow males, but also women and children. And it stops and starts with parenting. Parenting! You go in the bathroom with your child, you close the door when you teach him or her how to use the bathroom properly. And using the bathroom properly includes keeping that door closed when it is being used. The only time a bathroom door should ever be opened is if someone is going in or coming out and maybe bathroom repairs from either yourself or a plumber. Don't piss with the door open ever. Ever. All right, I'm done. This show is about making the people happy while you enjoy whatever has been selected for the great. Lawrence is stepping away from the microphone to fill up on his leftover Taco Bell. Nobody going to bathroom for about 35 or minutes. The Lawrence Ross Show will return after this. On the turning away From the pale and downtrodden And the words they say which we won't understand Don't accept that what's happening Is just a case of all the suffering Or you'll find that you're joining in the turning away It's a sin that somehow Light is changing to shadow And casting its shroud over all we have known All the world how the ranks have grown Driven on by a heart of stone We're all alone in the dream of the crowd.
to the show. Who's in charge over there? Want to get involved in the program? Ain't nobody got time for this. Call or text the comment line 813-602-2715. Get off the phone with me, you wacky prick. This is the Lawrence Ross Show. Now back to our regular programming. The Lawrence Ross Show. How's it going? Uh, Jackson Brown. Boys and Jordan's music. The evening bell. Jamaica say you will help me find a way to fill these empty hours. Say. Again tomorrow. Daughter of a captain on the rolling sea. I actually saw Jackson Brown about 11 years ago. Saw him in concert and it was a really good show. Really good show. Now I will say that 35 minutes into the show, while he's doing the Fountain of Sorrow, some poor audience member had a heart attack, but thankfully it wasn't fatal. And it wasn't, it didn't cause that much of a commotion. To where it brought the show down to a halt. But, I mean, it's just, it's, it's something that stuck out to me. All right. Now, uh, uh oh, sorry about that. Uh, so I was enjoying a nice, uh, I was enjoying a burger during the, uh, during the downtime. Right now I'm about to, uh, crack into a, I'm not sure if it's either Coca-Cola or a Pepsi. I'm not, uh, not sure. Hang on a second. Hey, Stewie. Yeah, yeah, what do you want, man? What's this, like, Coke or Pepsi? I don't give a damn what it is. It's something that's going to make you have a kidney stone in about five years if you don't stop drinking it, you bastard. Jeez, man, man what what are you all, man? Man, dude, you, you, you seem a little messed up, man. I mean, what what what, what happened, man? Oh, gosh. Oh, boy, you wonder why you're in the friend zone with the ladies? Because you can't talk. You really spit words out, man. Thanks for serving today. All right, all right. Mm. Mm. Ah, good stuff. All right, now, uh, we got to get, uh, we got to play this because it's, well, actually, you know what? <clears throat> yeah, uh, all right. Now, was uh, I want to cover this a little bit, but uh, as we all know, the impeachment trial of Donald Trump has been happening, and I'm pretty sure some of you are listening to this and you're probably going, oh, great, he just had an impeachment trial of Trump, turn out, tune out, tune out, another political blowhard running his yapper about how it was a setup or how the Democrats need to do more. No, no, no. So this guy, Jamie Raskin, he took the stand on, I think it was either two, I, I think it was Tuesday, I think it was, and he starts crying about all the people who were storming the Capitol. 
he starts he start, starts crying his eyes out like he's Glenn Beck or something. And I heard that and I'm like, seriously? You're crying because the people are rising up and they're j- and they're smashing the country because they're not too happy with the way things turned out. Now, granted, I'm not happy with now. Now, let me just clarify that I do not condone what these people did. But I do have a suggestion, and my suggestion is my suggestion is why why don't they offer this for congressmen, senators, all that stuff. Here's an idea. Rather than just idly sit by, uh, rather than just idly sitting by at the desk, basically doing nothing, because that's the joke, basically. The the joke is that it's a do-nothing Congress with any party. But why don't they do this? How about, how did they how about if they offer karate and karate and self-defense courses for our elected officials? Because, you know, they're supposed to, you know, they're supposed to serve us any way that they can. And I think, and I don't know about you, but I think it would be pretty, I think it would be something if I turn on CNN one day and I hear that Chuck Schumer scissor kicked some guy who tried to, you know, who tried to ransack his office. And I think it would be really cool if he said some badass line like, uh, you know, you may be one of my constituents, but that doesn't mean that I can't beat the living tar at you, man. Because you're trying to mess me up, I'm going to try and mess you up, man. And there's this other thing where he, where Jamie was saying how some of the members of Congress were taking their pins off so they wouldn't be identified. Uh, Dude... People know what these people look like. They watch the news. They're not uninformed citizens. They actually know what's up. They actually know. But at any rate, so there's my idea. Wouldn't you wouldn't you like to hear about that? Wouldn't you like to hear about a congressman who actually does something, who actually gets his hands dirty a little bit, isn't afraid to throw down? I'd like to see that. I'd like to see that. I'd like to. I'd like to see. I'd like to see that. that there, there's an idea. Could be an idea for a TV show or a cartoon series. Maybe. Maybe a. Uh, maybe a. Uh, maybe a congressman who's a you know a congressman by day but by night he's a superhero. I'd watch. Sounds like fun. It, it would. It would paint them in a little bit of a better light. But nope, it probably won't happen. They. 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 They, they will. They will probably never. Even think about taking a self-defense course, and they'll just idly sit by while the gover- while, while while the country crumbles, and they're not going to do anything to stop anything of the sort from happening again. Because that's what you often hear about. You often hear about people who are just like ransacking various places. You know, they're they're walking around their tiki torches and stuff like that. If if these elected officials, if they if they really if they really if if they really act, you know, if if they, if they were interested in actually helping us out, then maybe they'd probably want to fight back a little bit, you know, because they're citizens too. Granted, they're foolish citizens, but they're fo- but they're citizens either way. Anyway, now with this being President's Day, and actually, well, today is Abraham Lincoln's birthday, and I and uh, uh, this I. I I found this kind of interesting. This is from the YouTube channel Weird History. This is a timeline of the hunt 
for John Wilkes Booth, the man who assassinated President Lincoln. And, well, let's just, well, I'm going to dive right into it right now. Here we go. Hope you enjoy. This, this is, this is, this is pretty, and, and for anyone who be listening to the show for the first time, I'm really into history and things of that nature. And so, well, here we go. When Abraham Lincoln won re-election as president in 1864, John Wilkes Booth and his fellow conspirators formed a plan. They would kidnap Lincoln, then trade him back to the government in exchange for the release of Confederate prisoners of war. And what I've heard is that the Secret Service was started either the day of or the day after Lincoln was assassinated. Because you got to remember, this is this is the the 19th century. They 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 didn't they didn't have a motorcade. They didn't have. Uh, Anything of that sort. They didn't have Cadillac 1. If you want to find out about Cadillac 1, folks, uh, check out the January 22nd episode of this program. I did. Uh, uh, there, there's a whole segment about uh, Cadillac 1. They also formed several contingency plans. One plot aimed to intercept Lincoln in March of 1865 while he was on the road. But a change in the president's schedule nixed that idea. Another included capturing Lincoln at Ford's Theater and then lowering him out of his box using ropes. However, the Civil War was winding down and a Union victory was becoming increasingly certain. The rele- Wait, hang on a second. How, 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 how did they know? How did they know? Was, was, it like, was, 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 was there a shift in uh, politics that I don't know about? I mean, I, I mean, it's it's not like it's not like you know, it's not like uh, uh, it's not like people were saying, "Hey, man, I'm telling you, man, the union's gonna win this one, man. The union has this one in the bag." I mean, it's it's not like, in all fairness, it's not, it's not like they were taking like sports bets in regards to if the union would win or if the South would win. Well, well, actually, now that I think about it, maybe there probably was. Maybe there probably was. Maybe I don't know. Maybe there probably was a gambler back in the day. We just don't know it. The release of POWs wouldn't make a difference anymore, so Booth resolved to take a more drastic and bloody course. He decided to uh, kill the president. He was like, all right, well, look, since, I think, well, look, since these POWs aren't coming back, I'm going to go right to the man himself. Killing Lincoln was only supposed to be the tip of the iceberg. Booth's full plan actually called for something like the climax of the movie Casino. He and his fellow conspirators intended to kill four key Union officials that night. Oh, boy. The other targets were Vice President Andrew Johnson. Who eventually became president, who, by the way, I've read some stuff about him, and he just, I don't know, he, he seemed very, I don't know, it, oh, boy. Well, in all fairness, he was the first guy to get impeached, so there you go. Not a very good legacy when you're when when you're when you're the guy who has to replace the 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 fallen one. Secretary of State William Seward and Union General Ulysses S. Grant. The idea was to who also became president later on in life. Throw the entire Union side into chaos by taking out the leadership. This supposedly would give the Confederacy time to regroup and attack Washington. I think it was. I wonder if it was like, okay, well, now that we got the four main guys out. You know, we we divide we've you know the country's already divided enough as it is. Let's go and try and just make political discourse as much as we possibly can. When the night came, Booth used the connections he acquired as an actor to sneak into Ford's theater. When Lincoln was distracted watching a play called My American Cousin, which from what I read was it was kind of like, uh, it was it was a, if I remember right, it was a play about a guy who pretended to be rich to try and fall in love with a woman, and it was a comedy. And, uh, well, 
Continuing. Booth entered the box, pulled out a Derringer pistol, and at 10.15 p.m., shot Lincoln in the back of the head. Booth had no way of knowing it at the time, but this assassination would be the only one of the four planned to actually succeed. Because from what I heard was that all of the other, all, all the people who were supposed to be there to help him out, they weren't around. Like, I think there was one guy who just fell asleep. <laughs> so he was in his hotel room, and he just... Pfft, Fell asleep, slept through the whole night, and then he woke up the next morning. He was like, and he was probably like, uh oh, what? Wait a second, I was, I was supposed to be somewhere last night. Oh crap! After he fired the fatal shot, Booth rushed past the witnesses and tried to leap to the stage below. Henry Rathbone, an army officer, attempted to stop him, but Booth stabbed Rathbone in the shoulder. Immediately after, Booth leapt to the stage, landing awkwardly, breaking his leg. Ouch, man! I wonder. I, I wonder. I wonder if it snapped. The theater audience sat in confusion. Some thought the goings-on were part of the play until they heard the first lady screaming. Booth stood up on stage and yelled three Latin words that would ring down through history. Six Semper Tyrannis, which in English means, thus always to tyrants. For the record, he didn't write that himself. Oh, okay. The phrase Six Semper Tyrannis was historically associated with Brutus and the assassins of Julius Caesar. Oh, wait, wait, hang on a second. Hang on, hang on. Hang on, hang on. I like to stop the clip right there and just say that if you ask me julius caesar had it coming to him he got what he deserved that asshole and the reason why i say that is because if you read the play right at the beginning of the play everyone's in town having a great time here comes julius caesar walking through you know you know walking around like he's cock of the walk and the blind and and a blind guy says Beware the Ides of March. Beware the Ides of March. And what does Caesar do? He just blows him off. So you know what? Good. Fuck Julius Caesar. He got what he deserved. He discriminated He discriminated against a blind guy. And I kind of wish the blind guy had stabbed him as well. Fuck Julius Caesar. Good. I'm glad he's dead. That was... that. That was probably the only Shakespearean play that I read that I enjoyed. Fuck Julius Caesar. Fuck him. Anyway. Interestingly, Booth had once acted the part of Brutus in a play. The yeah, what how good he was at it. Phrase was also the state motto of Virginia. I wonder, is it, is it still the state motto of Virginia? <laughs> I don't know. The president was dead. The atmosphere in the theater turned to chaos. Soldiers flooded the building. Booth knew he had to flee the city as quickly as possible. A co-conspirator had arranged for a horse to be waiting for him at the stage door. Booth jumped on the steed and crossed the Navy Yard Bridge into Maryland. Booth was met on the other side by a conspirator named David Harold. They rode together to a town called Surrettsville, Maryland. There they went to Surrett's Tavern, whose proprietors were hiding some supplies for the men. Knowing that the army would be hot on their trail, they didn't stay long. They gathered what they needed, armed themselves heavily, and headed back on the road. It's like something out of the Wild Wild West or something. I can almost, I don't know why, but I can almost picture Sam Elliott doing some sort of like, you know, <clears throat> doing some narration of some sorts. <clears throat> Those two men went across the prairie for roughly three days. The law was hot on their tail, but they were always one step ahead of them boys. They knew what the risks were. They knew what the dangers were. They knew exactly what they needed to do. But if you ask me... 
They shouldn't have used a wagon or a horse or a buggy. They should have used a Ford. Built Ram Tough. And I would gander that those boys are probably enjoying some Golden Colorado beer brewed in Golden Colorado. And I'd also venture that during that night, they enjoyed some of that good sarsaparilla. At 4 a.m. on the morning of April 15th. Wait, wait, wait. Hang on a second now. Hang on a second now. Who's checking the time at that, at that, at that particular, you know, at that particular time of the day or time of the night, I should say. It's like, you know, who, exa- you know, like, it's like, how could I do that? Like, 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 did, so- like, did somebody, like, did somebody look at like a village clock or something or, or they hear the thing chime four times to go, oh, it's four in the morning, but we have lost Lincoln. Booth and Harold arrived in Maryland at the home of Dr. Samuel Mudd. Mudd. Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, and of course that expression. Your name will be Mud. This is this is where it comes from. Mud set Booth's broken leg. Doctor Samuel Mud. Mud set Booth's broken leg and let the two men rest at his home for a few hours. And in all fairness, I'm not sure if he knew. I'm not sure if he truly knew that he was uh, doing that. But it's kind of wild because, you know, it's kind of wild because if you, uh, you know, you could do that back in the day. Now it seems as if if you heart. Now it seems as if you did that. He'd be, I don't know, he'd probably be busted for harboring a felon, harboring a fugitive. I think, I, th- I think, I, th- I think, I think that's the, uh, I think that's what the uh, charges would be. You're not a lawyer. Oh, yeah, well, hey, look, hey, neither are you, man. While Mudd was a small town physician who was known to be sympathetic to the Confederacy, Whack. it is unclear whether he knew Booth and Harold or were aware of what they had done. He yeah, good point. Good point. He would later deny any knowledge of the conspiracy. Or, or there's a possibility maybe he's covering his tracks. Maybe he's pro- maybe he probably just said all that just to get everybody off his back. Maybe. I don't know. But it didn't do him much good. They sent him to prison anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I can only I can imagine that must have sounded like back in the 1860s you know hey what are you in for uh I'm in for uh stealing a stagecoach what are you in here for I'm in here for uh uh stealing from a barn what are you in here for I'm in here because I set the leg of the guy who shot Lincoln you no good scoundrel Regardless, once he was strong enough, Booth and his partner hit the road again. Hit the Booth. Regardless, once he was strong enough, Booth and his partner hit the road again. They got lost in a swamp and then paid a farmer to help them find Rich Hill, which was the home of another Confederate sympathizer. Wait, wait, hang on. They paid a farmer. What did they pay him in? What did they pay him in? In all fairness, in all fairness, it's like they had wallets back then. It's like they had wallets and like what 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 what, what, what exactly was the uh, you know what exactly was the tribute. Was it like a dollar? Was it a sixpence? Was it a 50 cent piece? What was it? Named Samuel Cox. Slowed by Booth's leg, the two men wouldn't arrive until 1 a.m. the next morning. It slowed by Booth's leg. I, 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 wonder, I, wonder if, I wonder if Booth's accomplice on this trip, I wonder if he was ever thinking to himself, gosh, man, you want to, you, you want to, you want to, dude, you want to like maybe rest or you want me to rub it for you or what, what the heck, man? Yeah. <laughs> 
Samuel Cox may have been sympathetic to Booth and Harold's case, but he was also acutely aware of the danger they posed to himself. Over 1,000 Union soldiers had been mobilized to search for Booth, and a bounty placed on the conspirators had reached $100,000, roughly the modern equivalent of $1.5 million. If huh. Okay, so that's adjusted for inflation. By the way, I accidentally hit uh, pause by mistake. Anyway, Cox was caught aiding and abetting the fugitives. The consequences would have been severe. Yeah, uh, today that's harboring a fugitive again. So, yeah. Anyway. Knowing this, Cox sent Booth and Harold to a nearby pine thicket at the edge of his property. <laughs> that's kind of way, uh, I guess you could say that's his way of saying, hey, look, I'll help you guys out. But for now, you got to lay low. You got to hide in the thickets. You got to hide in the bushes. And I wonder, no matter what kind of clothing these guys were wearing, I wonder if, I wonder if, uh, I wonder if, I wonder if John walks with. I wonder if he was like hiding out in the like uh, the thicket, and all of a sudden, and all of a sudden, like a thorn like ripped his pants or something, and you can see his ass hanging out. That would give them the chance to watch for an opportunity to cross the Potomac into Virginia and would give Cox plausible deniability if they were caught. Booth, for his part, was furious that Cox wouldn't let them in the house. <laughs> I wonder. I wonder. I wonder. I wonder. I wonder what he. I wonder how he raised his stink over here. He's like, what? I can't go in there? He's like, no, man, I'll, I'll get busted. And, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway. Hey, I wonder if, uh, yeah, I wonder, wonder if Samuel Cox, I wonder if he even knew who John Wilkes Booth was. I wonder if he, like, you know, I wonder if he, like, you know, I wonder if he ever, like, caught him in, like, one of his shows. Like, like, uh, like I wonder if Samuel Cox said, oh, by the way, look, man, you were good as Brutus, but you can't stay here. You got to stay out in the thicket. Nonetheless, they stayed in the thicket and tried to adjust. Yeah, because in all fairness, I'm not sure if a thicket makes a good pillow. Booth and Harold stayed in the pine thicket for a total of four days. On occasion, a friend of Cox named Thomas Jones would bring some food, drink, and copies of the newspapers. Wait, wait, four days? What were they doing for four days? What, were they just talking? They were just talking, just playing lookout? And the guy would probably pop up with food and drinks and papers. This was how Booth first learned that he was being almost universally condemned as a villain and a coward. Having considered his act heroic, Booth was genuinely shocked. In his diary, he compared himself to historical figures like William Tell and Marcus Junius Brutus. Wait, wait, oh, hold on a second. Is up to William Tell, the guy with the apple on his head? How exactly is that the case? <laughs> Man, and we wonder what's up with mental, you know, and we, and, we wonder, and we wonder why there's such a stigma for mental health these days, you know? <laughs> anyway. Wondering why he was being considered a common cutthroat while they were lauded as heroes. It's unknown when Booth began keeping this diary, but the document remains the only firsthand account of Booth's thoughts during this time. It is from this diary that we know on April 18th, a column of Union soldiers passed within 600 feet of the pine thicket. Concerned that the horses would give them away, Harold chose to silence the animals. Well, I mean, if, if they, I mean, if, 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 if the horses had made some noise, they, they, the chase probably would have ended by now. But anyway, there's a, there, there's a little bit left. While Booth and Harold continued to lay low and drink whiskey, the country was mourning a president. Back in Washington, D.C. Wait a second. Wait a they were laying low and drinking whiskey. I can only imagine how drunk they must have been. And I can't imagine what their drunken conversation must have sounded like. Ah, you know, I got a right in the brain step. And the other guy would say, oh, you know, I really think that it would be a good thing. 
and the sound will rise again. Washington, D.C., thousands of people came out to watch the funeral procession that carried Lincoln's body to the Capitol building. A private service was held for important figures and those close to Lincoln. The following day, the rotunda was opened to the public. Citizens came in droves to say goodbye to the president. The following day, his body was loaded onto a special train that would carry it to its final resting place in Springfield, Illinois. Six days after the assassination, the soldiers searching for Booth moved out of the area near Cox's home. Thomas Jones informed the fugitives, and at dusk on April 20th, they set out again. <laughs> April 20th. But in all fairness, I mean, they didn't have bongs back then. They didn't. Come to think of it, I'm not sure if they even had uh, rolling papers back then. Well, actually, you know, maybe they. You know, now I'm starting to wonder. I wonder if. I don't know. I wonder if Booth and uh, his accomplice wonder if. Wonder if it's recorded if they got high on April twentieth. Yeah, but in all fairness, I mean the four twenty moniker didn't start until like a hundred so years later. So uh, there you go with that historical inaccuracies. Oh, would you just pipe down, man? Ugh. Okay, I gotta get a lock on that door or something. Sheesh. Though the Potomac was only three and a half miles away, progress was likely slow due to Booth's leg. Uh, still. Still with the leg? <laughs> in all fairness, you know, they didn't have Medicare or Medicaid back in the day. <laughs> you know, they didn't have Humana. They didn't have Blue Cross Blue Shield. They didn't have, like, you know, whatever. You know, they didn't have what they got today. When they finally did reach the water, Jones put the two men in a small skiff. Refusing payment for his services, Jones put the two men out on the river and parted ways with them. Whatever he was probably like, all right, see you guys later. Fortunately for Booth and Harold, the oh. Booth and Her- fortunately for unfortunately for Booth and Harold, the night was foggy and navigation was difficult. Rather than land at Muchudoc Creek in Virginia as planned, they got lost and ended up in Maryland. On the twenty fifth, jeez, back to Maryland again. So hang on a second. Uh, let's see, Maryland to Virginia. Hold on, I'm 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 kind of I'm kind of curious about this here. Uh, hold on for just one second. Let me get my thing here. Because I'm kind of curious myself. Let's see here. Where's my plug? Come on, get it in there. Okay. Okay, there we go. All right. Got it. Okay. And let's see. Distance from Maryland to Virginia. Hmm, I don't know that one. Okay, hold on a second. How many miles between Maryland and Virginia? Okay, try that again. Alexa, how many miles between Maryland and Virginia? Maryland is 159 miles from Virginia. As the crow flies. All right. So 159 miles as the crow flies. But uh, all right. So I got to think. All right. 159 miles. In all fairness, the raft, I can only imagine how fast that the the raft was probably going about two, three, four miles an hour at best. So I'm not sure how. But anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to piece that all together. 
On the 21st, the fugitives managed to get supplies from a farmhouse near the creek. They returned to the boat where, for reasons that remain unclear to this very day, they did nothing. Historians speculate Booth's leg may have been acting up or that the two men may have heard rumors of Union patrols in the area. But the truth is lost to history. All we know is that, rather than escaping down the Potomac as planned, the fugitives spent the night of April 21st at Nanjimoni Creek in Maryland. Who knows what they were doing? The fugitives headed out. Who knows what they were doing, by the way, you know? The fugitives headed out again. The fugitives headed out again the following evening. It was again foggy, but now the mist was working in their favor by helping them get down the river unseen. Booth's diary records a close call. The skiff crossed into the path of a Union gunboat, but they managed to avoid a collision, and the fog kept them unseen. Look, they nearly missed. (laughs) Oh, jeez. Meanwhile, Union forces were drawing the noose tighter around the two men. Back in Maryland, Dr. Mudd's house was surrounded by troops, and the proprietors of Surrett's Tavern had been arrested. The army knew Booth was heading to Virginia and began to flood the roads there with soldiers. On the morning of April 23rd, the fugitives reached Virginia. They immediately made contact with a sympathizer named Elizabeth Queensberry, who fed them and then sent them to meet with a Dr. Richard Stewart. They successfully reached Stewart's home, but as soon as he learned who they were, Stewart kicked Booth and Harold out. Man. (laughs) In all fairness, they didn't have amnesty back then, you know? (laughs) I gotta say it, I gotta say it, I gotta say it. What was he going to say? Richard Stewart, huh? Harold out. In need of shelter, the men decided to head to the cabin. Yeah, the guy's name is Richard Stewart. Of a free black man named William Lucas. Like Stewart, Lucas refused to let the fugitives spend the night. I think that's kind of like his way of saying, hey, look, man, you know, you just killed, you killed the guy who freed me. So you're not coming in, dudes. That must have been his mindset, which I don't blame him, you know? Spend the night. Angry and desperate, Booth threatened Lucas with a knife and then made him and his family spend the night on their own porch. Wow. Nowadays, all you would do is just call 911 and boom, God get busted. The following day, Booth and Harold forced Lucas's son to take them to Port Charles. There, the fugitives met a former Confederate soldier named Willie Jett. Jet offered to hide the men in a house he had arranged for, but the house was being occupied by two unmarried women. Ooh la la. The p- <laughs> now history does not record if Booth and his accomplice got it on with the ladies in the house, but either way. Presidential assassin and his partner felt it would be improper for them to stay there under those conditions, so they continued on. Oh, okay. All right. Well, 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 I'll be. I forgot about that part, but either way. On April 24th, Booth and Harold reached a farmhouse owned by a man named Richard Garrett, whom they did not know. Booth, perhaps using his acting skills, convinced Garrett that he and Harold were soldiers and that Booth's leg had been broken in the course of his duties. I wonder, yeah, I, I, wonder, I, wonder, I, wonder, I wonder what he, I wonder what he probably might have said. I wonder if he said, hey, look, man, I was in that war. I fought for the Union, and uh, a horse kicked me right in the leg one day, and... Uh, and uh, I also have a little bit of a uh, musket. Uh, also have a little bit of musket shrapnel right here in my shoulder. So uh, I'm just letting you know. Anyway, Garrett fell for the ruse and gave the men a place to sleep for the night. Wow, <laughs> he got trolled. The following day, Booth slept late, got drunk, and played with Garrett's children. <laughs> what? <laughs> he got tro- wait, wait. I got a second. I got a second. He slept late, got drunk, and then played with the kids. Oh, 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 gosh. 
that is just very uncomfortable. But in all fairness, I think a lot of people were drinking whiskey back then anyway because they had no drinking age. So, I don't know. Maybe they had some, I don't know, maybe they had some really crazy drinking games back in the 1860s. I don't know. I know. Either way, I mean, I'm just like the red flags are going up here, I guess you could say. Garrett's children. By that evening, the family had grown suspicious of the fugitives and insisted they spend the night in the barn. <laughs> I think they were like, okay, these guys are a little unsavory characters. What are we going to do? Let's throw them out. Booth agreed and headed to his new lodging for some sleep. It would be the last night of sleep he would ever get. And 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 not on a celic, and well, and not on a uh, celic, and not on a sleep number bed. Sleep number bed, by the way, not sponsored. While Booth and Harold slept, the Union troops closed in. Willie Jett, the Confederate soldier who had tried to help them escape, had tipped off the authorities as to the fugitives' whereabouts. Ooh, he ratted them out. He was like, I'll help. He, he was, he was <clears throat> Willie Jet. That sounds like a real Southern name. Hi, I'm Willie Jet. Just to let y'all know, uh, that boy who done shot the president is on the run. Y'all Union boys might want to go get him. Mm-hmm. At approximately 2.30 a.m. on April 26th, Booth was awakened by the sound of horses approaching the barn. Ha <laughs> ha, giddy up. It was the cavalry. He woke Harold and the two tried to escape. <laughs> I, I, Gosh, I can imagine that must have sounded like. Hey, hey, man. Hey, man. Wake up, wake up, wake up. What, 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 what? Calvary, man. I wonder, you know, I wonder, you know, it's not recorded is what is what the guy said after after Booth woke him up. I wonder if he said, what the fuck, man? What did you wake me up for? You asshole. I'm trying to sleep. What do you want? Oh, shit. Calvary. What they didn't know is that shortly after they went to sleep, the Garretts, who were fearful the fugitives would steal their horses, had locked them into the barn. They were trapped. Ha <laughs> ha. Well, they're, they're onto something. They were like, eh, we don't trust them. Let's, let's lock them from the inside so they can't get out. I mean, I don't know. I mean, like, what were they thinking? Were they in slow suffocation if, 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 if they don't, if they don't uh, you know, if, if the cavalry didn't get them? I mean, I don't know. But anyway. The Union forces surrounded the barn. They had orders from Secretary of War Edwin Stanton to take Booth alive, so a standoff ensued. Harold, for his part, begged Booth to let him surrender. Booth agreed and let Harold go, but he had other plans for himself. As the standoff dragged on, the Union soldiers began to surround the barn with kindling. Booth could tell they meant business and that his time was running out. He tried to avoid his fate by challenging the commander of the Union forces to a duel for his freedom, but the soldiers weren't having any of that. <laughs> well, all friends, I think he was trying to go with the narrative of, hey, y- y'all want to take me alive? And he was like, all right, I challenge you to a duel, sir. You don't see that anymore. You don't see people challenge each other to duels anymore. We've we've gone from we've gone from a challenge you to a duel to people getting on message boards and calling the other guy you're an ignorant cocksucker smiley face dummy emoji whatever the heck the new emoji is this week kindling was lit and the barn went up in flames ah. mm. come on baby light my fire. Booth charged out and was quickly shot by a soldier named Boston Corbett. In his final moments, Booth asked one of the soldiers to hold up his hand so he could see them. The soldiers obliged, and while looking over his hand, Booth spoke his final words. Useless. Useless. 
Then at 7.15 a.m., John Wilkes Booth shuffled off this mortal coil. G. <laughs> Shalom uh, to Monty Python reference, shuffled off his mortal coil. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, yeah, so, sheesh. Ah, history, man. It's something. All right. Got about, wow. You know, I, well, uh, all right. Well, I, I, uh, all right. So we have that. And, you know, I just want to point something out here real quick. With this being Lincoln's birthday, I just want to point out, there's that song, Abraham, Martin, and John. Go check it out. It's a real, really good song. As a matter of fact, you know what? Matter of fact, why not? I'll play it for you all right now. Uh, plug this in. All right, here we. All right, here we go. Play song Abraham, Martin, and John. Here's Abraham, Martin, and John by Dion on Amazon Music. Here we go. And the intro to this, that part reminds me of "What a Wonderful World" by Louis Armstrong. Anyway, this this is a really nice song. Here we go. And I'm not going to sing along with it like I did with American Pie. Anybody here see my old friend Abraham? Can you tell me where he's gone? He freed a lot of people, but it seemed good they die young. I just looked around and he's gone Anybody here Seen my old friend John Can you tell me where he's gone He freed a lot of people But it seemed I just looked around and he's gone. Anybody here see my old friend Martin? Can you tell me where he's gone? He freed a lot of people, but it seemed good they die young. I just looked around and he's gone. Didn't you love the things that they stood for? Didn't they try to find some? I thought I saw him walking up over the 
That was Abraham, Martin, and John by Dion. And the three gentlemen that he mentions in that song, Abraham Lincoln, John F. Kennedy, and Martin Luther King. The last name Bobby referred to Bobby Kennedy. So, interesting little historical uh, historical perspective. I got a tweet from uh, Sterile, uh, who just says, Civil Civil War stories with Blind Lawrence. (laughs) Uh, Thank you, man. Thank you. Much, much obliged. Now it's, uh, well, now it's time for, well, now it's time for this section of the program. Get on the microphone in a serious manner. The Howard Stern Show. Hey now. The Phil Hendry Show. Oh, I love Phil And all the other radio shows in between. Have a bad night. <laughs> it's time for Radio History with Lawrence Ross. All right. Now I want to get into this uh, real quick because I have something set up for, uh, Okay, I real okay. I only have about like uh, a few minutes, so I really got to go through this pretty damn quick. All right, radio history, February eighth, two thousand two, on the Phil Hendry show. Two excerpts from the same evening. In this first excerpt, Dave Oliva, a wannabe LAPD police officer, came on the show to talk about how the Americans going to the Olympics is just pissing off the Taliban even more and is going to cause them to make another terrorist attack. This is uh, on World Famous, Disc 1, cut number 4. That's an album from Phil Henry, by the way. Here's an excerpt from that night. Just let you know, this woman just goes off her head on this one. I support America. You don't support this country. Don't tell me you do. I have never been so angry in my entire life. <laughs> what did I And now we go to the same night. Uh, Bobby Dooley was on the program talking about how her son uh, went out with this girl and uh, and uh, and uh, his dad was also there. And his dad was and, and his dad, Steve, by the way, is dr- and Bobby's husband, Steve, by the way, is drunk in this clip. So this is a little excerpt from that evening. Lisa. You're even worth talking to. Lisa, listen. That girl that you're talking about, right? Her underwear's on my head. I just found it. <laughs> wow. Oh, man. That's on World Famous Disc 2, cut number 4. Now we go to February 11th, 2002. Margaret Gray, syndicated newspaper columnist, joined the show to talk about how she feels, since she's a member of the media, she should be able to have a 9mm gun on her when she goes to the Olympics in Utah. Because she doesn't want to deal with the security people and she wants to have the gun with her because she has a fear that she's going to be sexually assaulted behind a food tent that's operated by a Greek guy. So here's an excerpt from that night. I can't believe you of all people should have nothing on you when you come in. If you hold a media card, I cannot believe you hold a media card. Because whoever you work for certainly should investigate you. So that was that. And then later on, we find out that the reason why Margaret's so freaked out by this is because one time she had a love affair with a Greek guy who, while he was making love to her, he was eating like a sandwich or like an olive, uh, uh, a a, a pita with olive oil, (laughs) a pita with olive oil. So 
So then Margaret just drops this classic line. Bill, goodbye. Good Let night. me tell you something. That wasn't cucumber dressing on my face. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't cucumber dressing on my face. Wow. All right. Now, here's an excerpt that, that's on World Famous, disc number one, track number seven. These are all from uh, the World Famous album, by the way. Uh Phil's double seat, the first double CD he ever put out. Then in, uh, uh, then from Valentine's Day 2002, uh, Phil just wanted to read a nice Valentine's Day poem to his wife, uh, but uh, construction in David G. Hall's office was just making it just impossible. So that so he gets on, so David gets on the air, starts yelling at Phil, and this old woman named Sylvia calls up, and she just starts ripping into him. And, uh, well, this is this is an exchange that just features Phil and David. Uh, I don't want to be giving away anything that Sylvia says, but that's on. But that's world-famous disc number one, cut number five. Here's an excerpt from that evening. This lady knows jujitsu, okay? I don't care how many Jews she knows. <laughs> it's got nothing to know with knowing Jews. I said jujitsu. She's a Jew. No, she's not a Jew. I said she's does jujitsu. Listen to how anti-Semitic he is, and you got a problem with me. <laughs> Now I got one more excerpt here, then I got to get into something else here real quick. Uh, February 15th, 2002, Paul Lane joined the program to talk about the career of Dale Earnhardt. He said that, you know, Dale died and everybody just went nuts. But when Paul retired from racing on Sega games, nobody gave a sweet crap. It's from world famous disc number one, cut number eight. Here's an excerpt from that evening. You're telling me you peed in your pants on your way to a Sega tournament? Because they had one track, that was the one one game that was fast on a computer. Yes, sir. The game looked fast and he pissed his pants. How about that? That's all wrong <laughs> and all wrong, sir. You're being racist and you're being wrong about it. <laughs> racist? You're criticizing me and I race. Well, that ain't racist. <laughs> oh, that's great. All right. Now, real quick, because I do got, because I got something lined up. Uh... This this Monday, President's Day, but it also would have been, it also would have been Chris Farley's birthday. So real quick, uh, here are two excerpts from the movie Tommy Boy, and then right after that, into Adam Sandler's song about Chris Farley. So here we go. This is the desktop demo scene from Tommy Boy. Our new brake pads are really cool. You're not even going to believe it. Like, um. Let's say you're driving along the road with your family, and you're driving along, la la la, woo. And then all of a sudden, there's a truck tire in the middle of the road, and you hit the brakes. Whoa, that was close. <laughs> now let's see what happens when you're driving with the other guy's brake pads. You're driving along, you're driving along, and all of a sudden, the kids are yelling from the back seat, I gotta go to the bathroom, Daddy. Not now, damn it. Truck tire. I can't stop. <laughs> There's a cliff. <laughs> and your family's screaming, Oh my God, we're burning alive. No, I can't feel my legs. Here comes a meat wagon. And the medic gets out and says, Oh my God. New guy's in the corner puking his guts out. <laughs> All because you want to save a couple extra pennies. And to me, it doesn't get out. Now. <laughs> oh, love that. All right. Now, here's the infamous, the iconic, 
Everybody now, fat guy in a little coat. You know what, Richard? You don't know me as good as you think you do. I care about stuff. I'm getting better at this sales thing. Well, I'm not, but I could if you help me. Forget it. I got enough to do without having to change your diapers. Richard? Is this your coat? <laughs> Don't do it. Fat guy in a little coat. Fat guy in a little coat. Don't. Fat <laughs> guy in a little coat. Fat guy in a little coat. Take it off, dickhead. I'm serious. Richard, what's happening? Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. All right. Well. Ladies and gentlemen, that is the end of the show. I am Lawrence Ross. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, good Lord willing in the creek don't rise. Tell someone you love that you love them and mean it. And now, ladies and gentlemen, here is Adam Sandler's tribute song to Chris Farley, which will lead right into the outro. Hold on. Let me make sure I got it queued up properly. There we go. I got it. Okay. All right. Well, this has been Lawrence Ross show. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Lawrence Ross. Good Lord willing in the creek don't rise. Tell someone you love that you love them to mean it. And I'll see you next Friday. Good night, everybody. All right, guys. Going to do this one. This is a very special song. I hope you like it. It means a lot to us. Here we go.
after a show, he drank a quart of Jack Daniels and stick the bottle right up his ass. But hung over his hell, that Catholic boy always showed up to morning man. We tell him, slow down, you'll end up like Belushi and Kenny. He said, those guys are my heroes, that's all fine and dandy. I ain't making that shit up, that's the truth about my boy Chris Farley. I saw him in the office crying with his headphones on. Listening to a Casey and the Sunshine Band song I said, buddy, how the hell's that making you so sad? Then he laughed and said, just thinking about my dad The last big hang we had was at Timmy Meadows' wedding party Laughed our balls off all night long, all because of Farley. But a few months later, the party came to an end. We flew out to Madison to bury our friend. Nothing was harder than saying goodbye. Since watching Chris's father have his turn to cry. Hey, buddy, life's moved on, but you still bring us so much joy. Make my kids laugh with your YouTube clips, or oh, Tommy boy. And when they ask me who's the funniest guy I ever knew, I tell them hands down, without a doubt, it's you. Yeah, I miss hanging out, watching you try to get laid. But most of all, I miss watching you fuck with Spade. You're an agent like you wanted, but I still wish you were here with me. And we were getting on a plane to go shoot Grown-Ups 3. Your love ain't the same without you, boy. And that's why I'm singing about, I'm singing about my friend Chris Farley. And if we make enough noise, maybe he'll hear us. Give it up for the great Chris You've been listening to the Lawrence Ross Show. Email the show, lawrence at gmail.com. There's a letter in your mailbox. Follow him on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, all ending in forward slash blindlawrence. Be careful of the fucking wall! Check out his YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash Lawrence Ross. Become a fan of the show on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash lross1987. I'll send your shiny happy-ass request. Rate and subscribe to the show on iTunes, or follow the show on Spotify. Search Lawrence Ross. Get out and take your sack of your weird dollars with you.
This week's edition of the Lawrence Ross Show Yikes! has just hit the brakes. Keep your ugly fucking gold brick and ass out of my beach community. You lose! Good day, sir! I was making radio shows for fun. Everybody does it. At least everybody I know does. Shut up! And baba booey to y'all. <laughs>